Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
In the AM, Micha Gammerman with the uh, Lil Shabbat medley here at JM in the AM. Schlock Rock with Vishamru off a Shabbat in Liverpool. Diaspora had Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Tot done by Yitzchak Fuchs. Simcha Liners, Olam Hafuch, Ahava from Yoni Z, Barry Weber and uh, Abyssal. Aishas Chayel, that was Mordechai Shapiro, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos on this July 15th, day 16 in the month of Tammuz. The year is 5782, Tufshin Pei Beis. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Balak outside of Israel with candle lighting time at 8.05. 8.05 is your official candle lighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A lot of synagogues begin early. You should make, make sure that you know when things start where you are. And a lot of people observe Shabbos outside of New York. So make sure you know when things start where you are. But 8.05 is what we're calling Shabbos candlelighting time here in New York. Sunday is the observance of Shabbat 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 is actually tomorrow, but because it's Shabbos, we'll observe it on Sunday, which means it's a fast day on Sunday. And the three weeks period of time of no weddings and uh, no haircuts that starts on Sunday. We'll go into our three weeks format beginning Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is that the uh, annual journey into the three weeks format that begins with uh, Matis and JM Sunday this coming Sunday here on NSN. Um, it's a Friday, which means that uh, Malcolm Holine is going to join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, all coming up. As we uh, wrap up the week here at JM in the AM, this was quite a week with the presidential visit to Israel, so there's a lot to talk about, and we'll get to all of that next hour, and I certainly hope you'll stay tuned and you'll join us for that. I want to thank those who've been commenting on the app. I noticed that the listener, R. Gloria, asked about a specific song. I'm not sure which one it was, uh, just based on the timing of the uh, app comment. Uh, could have been the Shabbatot from Yitzchak Fuchs. Could have been the Diaspora Shabbat Shalom. Um, if you want to respond or give me a better hint, you could certainly do so on the app, on the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Just put it in the comments section. Um, I was made aware that a, a good friend of ours is in a situation where we might be able to help. Um, somebody who's going to remain anonymous at this time is the subject of a uh, of a notice of a flyer that's been going out 
and going around that says, help save a life. Our grandfather slash father is in dire need of a kidney donor. To save one's life is to save the world. Now, because this is a friend and somebody that I am uh, proud and happy to call a friend, I am asking everybody out there who has ever considered kidney donation, or if you want to see if you're a match, take down this email address. The uh, living kidney donation is performed laparoscopically with minimal scarring. Donors usually return to their normal lifestyle within two to four weeks. Donors do not need to take lifelong medication, nor are they restricted with their diet. Its kidney donation is coordinated by the amazing people at Renewal. To learn more about it or to see if you're a match, we ask that you email the following address. R... That's letter R, 25555 at renewal.org. Again, that's R25555 at, at renewal.org. And that'll, um, that'll show that you're responding to this specific situation and that you want to learn more about kidney donation, that you want to see if you're a match. Someone's life can be saved, and in this case, it's the life of somebody who's very dear to us. So again, email the following address, get in touch with the people at Renewal, and let's hope as we spread the word, a match is found and a life continues to go on with tremendous health and happiness and strength. Again, the email address, r25555 at renewal.org, r25555 at renewal.org. And, of course, we thank you very, very much. JM in the AM, uh, as I said, our Friday programming is in full swing. We'll get to everything, please, God. Just keep it here for that and uh, much, much more as we uh, continue on a uh, Friday morning era of Shabbos. And um, where are we here? <laughs> Let's see. This is brand new from Shalshelis Jr., JM in the AM. Yeah. 
JM and the AM with Duvadol and Shira Yididus. Before that, Baruch Levine's Afilu Achad. That's brand new. You're listening to JM and the AM on a uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting time in New York is 8.05. On this Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Bullock. As I mentioned earlier, someone who is uh, a uh, wonderful listener, a wonderful supporter, and a wonderful friend, most importantly, is going through a situation right now where they um, need a kidney donation. And um, I'm going to take the opportunity to remind everybody that the people at Renewal are doing everything in their power to get kidney donations for as many people as possible. And you can help save a life. If you've ever considered a kidney donation, if you want to see if you're a match... Email the following address. This email is specifically for this one person for whom we're trying our hardest to continue to pray for and continue to work for to get a kidney. R25555 at renewal.org. Again, if you want to learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match, letter R, R25555 at renewal.org. And we thank you. JM and the AM Friday morning. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Just returned from Dublin, Belfast, Scotland, and Iceland. Listener Miriam and listener Lenny say, listen to you throughout the entire trip. Amazing. And thank you for being there for us. Yashikoch, you made our vacation even more special by listening to you. Wow, thank you so much. Even in the highlands of Scotland, you made our trip even more special. Have a great Shabbos. Thank you to uh, listener Miriam and listener Lenny. What a great comment. <laughs> and uh, it fulfilled my dream that I had years ago that people will be able to just take us along at the ready, schlep us along, in this case in their phones, and listen anywhere on this globe. Pretty amazing. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world of web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Holmline at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with the weekly update. Harry Rothenberg coming up in a few minutes with Parsha's Bullock. Rabbi Yudin with Parsha's Bullock. Reminder that Sunday is Shavas or Batamuz. No weddings, no haircuts. That all starts on Sunday. Again, the three weeks format for us begins Sunday morning. Sunday is being observed as the 17th of Tammuz, even though it's the 18th of Tammuz. Shavas Rabatama is observed this coming Sunday. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JMDM. Galitzal, Thank 
גבר כבן 70 במצב אנוש לאחר שטבע בצהריים בברכה ציבורית בקריית אונו. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים בלינסון תוך ביצוע פעולות החייאה. ובתוך כך מוסיף להיות קשה מצבו של הגבר שטבע הבוקר בחוף בת גלים בחיפה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שהוא עדיין מורדם ומונשם. המשטרה עצרה הלילה לחקירה חייל כבן 20 מרהט לאחר שבחיפוש בביתו התגלה אקדח שהוסתר מתחת לאריחי הרצפה וכן תחמושת. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שהוא יובא במהלך היום לדיון בהארכת מעצרו בבית משפט השלום בבאר שבע בחשד להחזקת נשק באופן בלתי חוקי. מדד המחירים לצרכן עלה בארבע עשיריות האחוז בחודש האחרון ובשנה האחרונה בארבעה אחוזים וארבע עשיריות האחוז. עליות מחירים בולטות נרשמו בדיור שעלה בשבע עשיריות האחוז החודש ובשישה עשר אחוז בשנה האחרונה. ובתוך כך ראש הממשלה יאיר לפיד הודיע שיקיים ביום ראשון דיון דחוף כדי לעצור את העלייה במחירי הלחם. לפיד ערך הלילה והבוקר התייעצויות בנושא והנחה לבחון את כל האפשרויות כלשונו, כולל הרחבת הפיקוח על המוצרים וחקיקת בזק. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבתנו לענייני צרכנות עינב קרנר. מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות תהיינה מעט נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה. אלה החדשות שעורכת דניאל הראל. Said that it's a fact. 
not the farmer's almanac, and that's sure good enough for me. There ain't no bishop in a cleanly sheep. Ain't no bishop in a cleanly sheep. Ain't no bishop in a cleanly Ain't no driver all eternity. There ain't no bishop in a cleanly sheep. A cleanly show, cliche. I don't use those for my teeth. It's an inevitability. Ain't no bishop in a fate of all mankind No one can avoid the bustle and the grind Rushing to meetings Closing the deal On the phone, on the road Buying, selling, spinning wheels It's easy to lose balance Chasing money and success But there's a special treasure With which we have been blessed And as each day passes Joy fills the air Waiting for the moment To stand up and declare Baruch Hashem Days every week We work hard and struggle Just to make ends meet But once out of seven We all become kings Who greet Shabbos Amalco By rising up to sing When I hear the boss, I jump To shop or go to shul I'm always parking by a pump But all of the worry Goes down the drain When my wife and children join me In singing the refrain Baruch <laughs> 
Shemit Shabbos, that's off Journeys, volume number five, of course. Great brand new selection from this season. Uh, before that, the uh, Journey selection, Ain't No Bishel, tribute to the great late Moshe Yes, here at JM in the AM. And uh, this season is coming to a close as the three weeks begin on Sunday. Shavasar Batamu's being observed Sunday, even though the 17th of Tammuz is tomorrow, Shabbos. So Sunday's a fast day, the period of no haircuts and no uh, weddings. Our three weeks format all begins on Sunday. Any questions with any of that, consult with your local rabbi. Candle lighting at 8.05 in New York for Erev Shabbos Parshas Bullock. <clears throat> That's what we read outside of Israel this week, Parshas Bullock. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will concentrate on Bullock coming up. Uh, again, candle lighting 8.05 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A lot of synagogues begin early and obviously... Candlelighting time is different in different cities around the world. Uh, before we get to Harry Rothenberg, I just want to mention again that a good friend of ours, somebody, in fact, who is, uh, who is rightfully very, very focused every week on what Harry Rothenberg has to say during our uh, segment, is in need of a kidney. And uh, here's how the poster reads. Here's how the notice reads. Help save a life. Our grandfather slash father is in dire need of a kidney donor. To save one's life is to save the world. Living kidney donation is performed laparoscopically with minimal scarring. Donors usually return to their normal lifestyle within two to four weeks. And donors do not need to take lifelong medication, nor are they uh, restricted with their diet. To learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match for this specific case, take down this specific email address. Our friends at Renewal, who are amazing when it comes to the kidney donation space, have set up a specific email address for this for this specific situation. 
So if you want to learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match, here's the address. It's letter R, 25555 at renewal.org. That's R2555 at renewal.org. If you want to learn more about kidney donation to see if you're a match, email this address, R2555 at renewal.org. There's also a phone number if you want to take it down, 718-431-9831. Extension 209. That's 718 431 9831. Extension 209. And um, obviously, as I always say, your help with this is greatly appreciated. But now more than ever, this is uh, one incredible friend that we friend that we would love to get a kidney match for as soon as possible. Again, the email address R2. 5555 at renewal.org. Harry Rothenberg has some words regarding Parshas Balak, which we read outside of Israel this Shabbos. Here he is on JM in the AM. The Talmud, the Gemara, offers the following advice. Person should always be involved in doing mitzvahs and studying Torah, even Shalol Lishma, not for the sake of heaven. Why? Because eventually they'll do those things for the sake of heaven. And then the Talmud brings a very curious proof to that from this week's Parsha. It says that because King Balak, the evil King Balak, brought 42 sacrifices to God, he merited to have as a descendant the righteous Rus, Ruth, the Moabite convert. Now that's an awfully weird proof. First of all, Balak didn't just bring those sacrifices not for the sake of heaven. He brought them for an incredibly demented, depraved reason. He was trying to destroy the Jewish people. The evil sorcerer Bilam, whom he had hired to curse the Jewish people, told King Balak, if you bring those sacrifices to God, it'll increase the chances that my curse will work. And second, where do we ever see that King Balak ended up doing mitzvahs, let alone learning Torah for the right reasons? We don't. But maybe the Talmud's telling us the following. Balak did a mitzvah. Granted, it was for the worst possible reasons, evil reasons, but he did a mitzvah. He brought those sacrifices to God, recognized that God is up in heaven and is powerful. So if we do a mitzvah, if we study Torah, even for the wrong reasons, you're a kid and you're studying Torah only because your rabbi or your teacher promised you a lollipop or a reward, or you're an adult, you're giving charity only because of social pressure or for social status, do it. That's how powerful a mitzvah is. It will turn you around. You'll start doing things for the right reasons. And if it doesn't turn you around, it'll turn around a descendant. Think about it. Bullock didn't just get Rus. You know, it came from Rus a few generations later. David Amelech, King David, who wrote the most wondrous songs of praise to God ever. And from him came his son, Shlomo Amelech, King Solomon, who brought sacrifices just like Bullock to God but for the right reasons. Imagine Bullock bringing those sacrifices and God in heaven saying, you're bringing those sacrifices, but for all the wrong reasons. You want me to destroy the Jewish people? That's laughable. That is never, ever going to happen. The Jewish people will always be there. But you did a mitzvah, King Bullock, and that's gonna turn around your family. You're gonna get Rus. You're gonna get King David. You're gonna get King Solomon. That's how powerful a mitzvah and Torah learning are, even when done for all the wrong reasons. Imagine how powerful they are when done for the right reasons.
Eitan Katz, Mayna Lamaba. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abelson Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. I was in one of those major supermarkets last night that has the incredible meat displays, A&H all over the place, and those A&H salamis, I'm telling you, they just, even the packaging just looks so incredible and so amazing. Um, and and some of them are so large, they just dominate the section. So a big salute to A&H. And I know there's no grilling this Sunday, or at least limited grilling because of the uh, Shivasa Matama's observance. So maybe, maybe late at night, someone will fire up the barbecue. Uh, but whatever the case may be, this summer, make sure to make A&H a very big part of your grilling experience. You'll be glad you did. That much I could tell you. Malcolm Holmline coming up, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Rabbi Yudin, of course, on Parsha's Bullock. Naomi Nachman is brand new starting at 9 a.m. Uh, let me l- run through the lineup of what Naomi has planned. Naomi Nachman, table for two at uh, 9 o'clock. With cookbook author Eitan Bernath, Devora Adler from Chesed 24-7, and Matthew Chan, co-owner and manager of Chop Chop Kosher Restaurant up in Washington Heights. They are all guests of Naomi's on Table for Two, brand new at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbat Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at uh, 10 o'clock. Tomorrow night, it's um, Saturday Night Siegel with Havrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. I saw Rabbi Zwickler last night at the wonderful Rosazada Weiss Simcha. Mazal Tov and Mabruk. And then, of course, Matis kicks off our three weeks format Sunday on JM Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. That starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. So keep that in mind. Uh, we've been mentioning that a, a good friend of ours, somebody who means a lot to us, is in a situation where they need a kidney. And uh, our friends at Renewal have uh, released the following flyer. It says, help save a life. Our grandfather and father is in dire need of a kidney donor. Uh, Living kidney donation is performed laparoscopically with minimal scarring. Donors usually return to their normal lifestyle within two to four weeks. Donors do not need to take lifelong medication or to change a diet in order to do this. To learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match for this specific case, take down this email address. Letter R, 25555 at renewal.org. Again, that's R2555 at renewal.org. R2555 at renewal.org. That's how you can learn more about kidney donation and see if you're a match. And we thank everybody who's already participating in the efforts to help somebody who's extremely important to us. J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. More coming up. This is from Moshe Klein. Em Tuchim, the Orgadol, 
הלילה בשביל שניים, כל ששון וכל שמחה, כל חטאה וחלה. וזה היום, קדוש כולו, תכלית הבריאה, והשכינה עומדת כאן, זכה וטהורה, כי בטח בלב בעלה, ברינה ולצעולה. בואי בשלום, עטרת בעלה, גם ברינה Thank you. 
Early Shabbos band with Miss Sameach. I want to say hi to uh, Mr. K. Mr. K is set the uh, inbound pool tuned into JM and the AM in Yerushalayim. Thanks for tuning in, Mr. K. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on a Friday morning hour of Shabbos. Don't forget Shabbos and Ratama's observance is Sunday. Begins our three weeks format. Begins the period of time of uh, no haircuts, no weddings, and all that. Uh, if you're not familiar with all, the, all of that, consult with your local rabbi. Uh, earlier, I mentioned that there is... Um, there's a good friend of ours who is in need of a kidney, in need of a kidney donation. The flyer reads, help save a life. Our grandfather slash father is in dire need of a kidney donor to save one's life is to save the world. Our friends at Renewal, these are our friends at Renewal that have put together this campaign specifically if you'd like to learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match for this, uh, for this specific situation. There's an actual ID. I'll give you the email address in a second for this specific situation. Uh, Renewal reminds us that living kidney donations performed laparoscopically with minimal scarring. Donors usually return to their normal lifestyle within two to four weeks, and donors do not need to take lifelong medication or be restricted in, regarding to their, in regard to their diet. If you want to learn more about kidney donation or see if you're a match in this situation, it's uh, the following email address, r25555 at renewal.org. Again, letter R, that's r25555 at renewal.org, r25555 at renewal.org. And your help with this obviously is greatly appreciated, to say the least. I want to remind you about our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Jewishworldreview.com has thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world that you could print out before Shabbos and get up to date over the weekend on so many issues of interest. Go to jewishworldreview.com for the entire uh, array of resources. Again, jewishworldreview.com. Get there uh, at some point today and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate that. Big week, obviously, with the presidential visit to Israel. There are a lot of specifics to talk about, but let me start with a general question. What did you think overall of the President Biden journey to the state of Israel? I think it was, uh, it, it produced some interesting uh, developments. I think it demonstrated a warmness and a friendship um, that, a lot of Israelis, I think, greeted the trip generally with skepticism, but were impressed from the people I spoke to by the genuineness of his uh, of Biden's long-term 
relationship with Israel. I've known him since the late 1970s, and as this was his 10th visit to Israel. And there were times of tension. I'm not going to say that it was a flawless record, and there weren't periods of uh, tension, uh, some of which have been uh, highlighted in the past. But I think his his uh, comments, if you saw the note he wrote when he was at Yad Vashem and, and uh, some of the statements that he made, and I know the two women, uh, uh, the Holocaust survivors that he met with, one I, I actually met the day before, spoke to the day before when she called me about her concerns on the visit and, and the staff had scheduled him just to do a walk by of them. And it was he who got down on one knee and started talking to them for, what, 20 minutes. And... Um, and I spoke to them afterwards, and they were really taken with what he said and, and his commitments and the things that he talked about. And they laid on him about anti-Semitism and about uh, the need for Israel to him to support Israel. And when a 95 and a 92-year-old woman say it, you listen. And one, uh, Mrs. Quint, was the wife of Manny Quint, who many people I know in our community knew. They came from New York. And uh, the other uh, lady, whom I actually only spoke to the first time, the two days before or day before, and may, both have amazing stories that I hope will be written up in, in detail on how uh, this one came to New York and went right into Brooklyn College and did a PhD without any high school education, without any prior education, actually. Wow. And they're really amazing, amazing stories. So the, the agreements that came out, the one on, on Iran is better than I think some expected. It's not, they didn't have an agreement. And you saw the prime minister, I thought, you know, made a pretty bold statement about challenging the president in public at the press conference about the need not to talk about diplomacy in words, but to, but there has to be a credible threat of force. The uh, I2U2 meeting, which got almost no coverage, but is really remarkable you know, the IU, I2 is Israel and India, and the U's are the United States and the UAE. But they, they this number one expands the relationship, the Abraham Accord, something we've been working on, into, the, into Southeast Asia, and it will bring the Quad, which includes Korea, Australia, um, uh, and, and India, and Japan, into a relationship with them. But there were specific agreements here with the UAE putting $2 billion into these food integrated food parks. Um, but the significance, it won't be lost when the country with probably the largest population in the world by in the next year or two uh, joins Israel, U.S. and UAE in this uh, in a virtual meeting. And they covered a lot of area, including uh, dealing with Iran, which India still trades with. Um, but there were other uh, um, coming together with the other groupings and now the GCC three the plus three meeting uh, countries like Morocco and others joining Egypt, Jordan. Uh, I think that these reflect the impact of the Abraham Accord and the president's public uh, association with Abraham Accords by name and with support for it and with uh, manifesting it is uh, I think considered important. And, you know, Putin is coming to Tehran next week and we're going to see the efforts of the counter forces and uh, read the Tehran press. You see how far um, the uh, what the impact of the visit has been and how they're reacting to uh, so much of what uh, of what has happened. Um, we even saw a Russian train coming with cargo um, that was going to India 
and were stopped in, at the border with Iran, and they have now passed through, which means that you see how Iran is becoming the vehicle for Russia to bypass sanctions. So they see this united front, and uh, I know this is a, a long answer to, to a short question, but it's important to see the totality of the picture of how many things uh, have happened. You see there were articles in the Saudi magazines, uh, the major ones praising um, Arab-Israelis who serve in the IDF. Well, this was unheard of. Uh, other statements, other visits, other things that are taking place that we shouldn't take for granted. And most of all now, the overflight rights, which for Israeli businessmen and others is very significant. The uh, the trip started with a, a written agreement, a written understanding, a written treaty. I don't know what word you want to use uh, between the United States and Israel. What were the actual contents of, uh, of what they signed at the beginning of the whole uh, uh, visit? Well, there is a security agreement. It's not a treaty, and it does, it's not approved by Congress, but it is an understanding that they've worked on, which does have important elements in there about um, expanding security cooperation, which is pretty expansive right now. And as you know, there have been all these joint exercises. I think it's an attempt to expand the significance of CENTCOM. I think that's going to be true at the Saudi meeting, at the meetings in Saudi Arabia with the GCC and others. Um and it uh, includes a reaffirmation of the $30 billion aid package, uh, the 10-year program, and other areas of, of joint cooperation. So it's not necessarily that uh, much new ground it breaks, but it, it confirms and commits the administration to those uh, understandings, many of which were done by the previous administration. Um, and I think that... Um, uh, the Israelis and others were the, the Israelis were certainly seemed to be pleased by it and touted it when when they signed it. When does the Saudi visit take place? Today. It happens today. And uh, is this permanent? The opening of the airspace to Israel now that, now, I mean, was it done just for this visit, or this is now going to be hopefully forever? No, for, this is permanent. Wow, that's pretty amazing. By the way, one of the things that that didn't get much coverage, and I think it was probably the most significant thing, it was his interview with uh, an Israeli station where, I think Channel 12, uh, where he was asked about the the squad and the other Democrats, the quote progressives, which is a wrong term for it. Um, <laughs> and he essentially rejected those who called Israel an apartheid state. And he said, there are few of them. They are, are wrong. They're making a mistake. This is his words. Israel is a democracy. Israel is our ally. Israel is our friend. I think that I make no apologies for that. It, it was, um, uh, and even said that using force, if it was a last resort, that he would do it against Iran. But that that uh, you know statement about uh, that they don't represent where the Democrats stand and they don't represent where America stands. Uh, was a very interesting comment because, again, it was done in an interview. It's not where, you know, he had notes and people were telling him what to say. Uh, do you think that he would say something different uh, regarding that topic if he was asked that question in the United States? And I say it cynically like that because yeah, with the midterm elections coming up, and we know how important it seems, how important that part of the Democratic Party is going to be, uh, you know, going forward between now and November. Uh, do you think he would have said it differently if he wasn't 6,000 miles from home? Well, actually, I think he did that interview here in advance of the visit. Ah. Uh, second, um, 
I think it's more of a reflection of of his view. It's, it's certainly uh, we see that the progress quote progressives. I, I hate that term because right. it it has a positive connotation, and these are certainly retrogressives. Um, uh, you know, uh, have an increasing influence in the Democratic Party. It's interesting that we haven't seen much reaction from them to those comments. They didn't challenge him and. Um, I, I well, they again, have. I they wanna, ha- they, I don't want to overemphasize the significance of any of these things because what what really matters is what is done. Right, but they have made they have made it clear they'll abandon him in a second. I mean, they they've they've well, said course, that directly. The, of course, uh, all along. I mean, they have no loyalty to anything but themselves, and they they're certainly not interested in America or America's allies or democracy or freedom because they they are willing to associate with anti democratic forces. Uh, but I think that the uh, we're, we're talking about the atmospherics here. We're talking right. about some steps. I mean, the president kept talking about the two-state solution, and I think the granting of money now to the PA without uh, enforcement of Taylor Force uh, on these monies, they go under the Nidaloe Act, which is for joint projects. So it's not grants to the government per se, as I understand it, but for specific uh, projects, and some of it is joint Israeli-Palestinian projects. Um, but there are many people where point up that, uh, you know, the Taylor Force Act is being violated by the PA every day, that they continue to support and encourage and cite, but most of all pay off terrorists who kill Israelis or to carry out the attacks or their survivors. And um, the United States has reiterated its commitment to this policy all the time. And yet the, the uh, visible, visible implication of, uh, you know, granting the new money, even if to a hospital where got money before, but President Trump cut it off. Uh, I think is um, you know another issue that that has raised some of the concerns today. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all the reports yet on the internal discussions. We'll, I'm sure we'll find out much more in the next hours. Uh, the visual, the um, uh, the ceremonial um, uh, episode where the president. Uh, is shown the latest defense systems in Israel, the uh, the latest version of Iron Dome. What do they call it now? It's Iron Dome has graduated to Iron... No, no, Iron Dome and Iron Beam. And Iron Beam, right. Um, so, I mean... That's not a, it's not related to Iron Dome. It's, it is a laser system of defense against missiles. It's it's completely independent. It's, it, uh, the laser uh, Iron Beam is a, a mechanism to harness uh, energy, you know, to, to be able to shoot beams at the missiles because as it is and we've talked about this it costs a hundred thousand dollars to take down uh, missiles that come in because you usually right. have to fire two to iron dome and you're taking down a thousand dollar you know pipe bomb uh, essentially a, a elevated pipe bomb and this means that you would use just pulses of electricity so it would cost a hundred dollars to take down a thousand dollar missile so this system but this system uh, honestly, Nahum is not really in effect. It's right. it's proposed, and uh, I think that the ex- I, I think it's a mistake to raise the expectation as they are that this is already operational. But when he's going to view the latest that Israel has to offer in this area, I'm assuming that that's uh, with Iran in mind, and with the enemy in general in mind. I mean, those who incite and uh, and decide to start shooting uh, rockets from places like Gaza, etc. Uh, just to remind everybody that Israel has the latest technology, and to remind everybody that America has Israel's back when it comes to this technology. Well, it was a reaffirmation, I think. Again, it's the symbolism, it's the message to right. Iran. And if you read the Iranian reactions, 
you see how strongly they take it. I mean, they they are falling over each other to attack and criticize and attack Biden and uh, and the U.S. and and saying that you know we're not going to yield on anything to get to the table that the United States is not willing to get to the table. Um, uh, the you know the president again reaffirmed his commitment to the process of, of negotiations with Iran despite all that they're doing and we see that their provocations with China with others you know where they're expanding the relationships and by the way built into the strategic agreement is also about countering uh, dealing with China and China's uh, activities it it did seem though that the president was more and maybe this was just a silent affirmation uh, but I thought he had actually made a statement about it as well, in addition to what the prime minister said. It, it seemed that he was uh, uh, more willing to admit that the uh, the military option was necessary, that it was on the table, that the U.S. would endorse it. It just it, it, it gave me the feeling, watching the two of them speak about Iran, that uh, if a last resort, in fact, uh, was necessary, the U.S. would be there to back Israel. So uh, I think that was uh, interpreted uh, uh, from the remarks, but I thought his, in his interview, he was very explicit and said, yes, he would use force as a last resort, which, as you know, many in his party would reject and, right. and have warned against. Um, I, I, I don't think it was a commitment of any particular kind, and hopefully we will never come to that point, but that the United States will work with Israel and the other allies who they will hear from in Saudi Arabia, for whom Iran is as great a threat as it is to Israel, even if they don't all, aren't always as explicit, but all of them certainly consider it uh, as such. What I thought was important was the reaffirmation at, at that meeting, at the visit to the two uh, to the Iron Dome and Iron Beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were, by the way, at the airport. They moved him there so that he didn't have to travel around more <laughs> to, to get there. But um, did they bring Masada? Did they bring Masada to the airport also? So he- mobile, right? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, just the Dead Sea. But uh, uh, but but you know, it's a reaffirmation because U.S. and Israel. We have to remember, it's American money, American support that made Iron Dome possible. Mm-hmm. And it's the joint missile program and the amounts of money that America is giving Israel, which. Again, we sometimes get lost in in um, some of the debate and the nature of the debate. You know, this is not to 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 declare that the problems are, are behind us or the issues that that uh, you know are raised. We'll see what happens. But I, I think what you saw was the president on his own in and his um, talk at declaring himself, "I'm a Zionist." You know, to be a Jew, to be a Zionist, yeah. which he had said before. You know, it's not so much how we react. Think of how the Arabs hear that. Yep. I can only imagine what they were thinking. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at MalcolmSiegel.com and the MalcolmSiegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman, conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. With that in mind, by the way, uh, the man who declared I am a Zionist went to meet with Mahmoud Abbas. What do we know about that encounter? As I said, I haven't seen the reports yet uh, on it, uh, but uh, uh, I told you about the money, the monies that were right. allocated, and Abbas had a list of demands that uh, the United States will not meet. Um, but I think he, you know, obviously he had to do something, and he, he met him in, in, uh, in conditions that were better than I think some were, were afraid of. But as he, he visited visiting the hospital without an Israeli in East Jerusalem was very disturbing to people and to some the public comments and stuff about it. 
that it, it, it um, you know, it, it's a statement. And, and that's the point that in, in the Middle East, everything has symbolic in addition to, to whatever the actual are. It's how people interpret it. It's, it's the messages that are sent. And the fact that they keep reaffirming the desire to have a consulate in Jerusalem, they did not move on it. And there wasn't the pressure to, but there were statements saying, you know, we are still committed to that. But so I don't think you had much movement on some of the fundamental issues. I think that, again, the trip, as I said last Friday, look for the symbolisms. That's going to be the most important thing that comes out of it. Obviously, we have a November election. I don't know that, uh, you know, that that's uh, that Israel and the Jewish community vote is going to loom so large in it that, that that's the uh, reason and to be cynical and not to welcome the comments that were made. We should always have a karsatov. We should recognize the good just as we criticize the things we disagree with. Uh, well, the I am a Zionist quote is really, is really amazing. And uh, I can only imagine how many feathers that ruffled throughout the uh, Middle East. Um, and, and also his note, yeah, right. again, this, the stuff that he did himself, right. you know, that it wasn't somebody standing over his shoulder writing and telling him, write this. I think is is uh, what I look for is where he's really at, and the question is, can can he translate all of that into the policy and the messages that are sent? Certainly to the Iranians, yeah. the message was a strong one. I wonder who. Uh, I mean, there there are many who I'm sure felt and and now will feel that this visit will bolster him and you know for the midterms in the United States. I mean, I, I would imagine that that's part of it. You just alluded to it a minute ago, not to be too cynical, because you're right, we have to keep in mind the positive things that happened and recognize uh, that those symbolic things that happened are, are extremely positive and, and in many ways unprecedented if you look at Jewish history. Um, but I wonder if it's a throwback. I wonder if it's a you know an old strategy that really is not 2022 to think that a visit to Israel or a commitment to the future of the Jewish people and the future of the state of Israel could really help that much over here. Do you get one feeling one way or the other? No, again, I, I mean, is politics part of If it's always there. And right. It's, it's, and he is an old-time politician. Right. You but know, is, it a strategy from, is it a strategy but, from decades ago that just may not work now, or, or it still works? No, I don't think it, it's, uh, it's something that's relevant. I, I, I mentioned it before right. that I think that, you know, it's too cynical just to say that this is, um, a, a, a ploy for November. The Jewish vote isn't that significant, and certainly not in, in congressional races. Most of congressional races that matter, um, Jewish. You know, there are more. There is more involvement of PACs and support, and I'm sure that you know that is a factor. And he saw his numbers uh, were going down in in the community. But I think in his case, it's it's a genuine feeling. It's been expressed many times, even right. though again, nothing's nobody has a flawless record. And this is, and I don't want it to sound like this changes the fundamentals in in uh, in any way. I think it it sends strong messages, and I'm, I'm more concerned about the messages in the Middle East. I don't think that it it's going to change the demographics of the election. Uh, the congressional elections, the off-year elections, where we see, by the way, the the Republican-Democratic spread is is shrinking. That those who thought there would be an automatic sweep in the Republic by Republicans, it's it's uh, less so, but still, yeah. the likelihood that Republicans can take uh, Congress, it'll depend on the turnout. 
Yeah, and as you see, there's not much interest in, in a lot of the races. And it's only July. God knows where the economy's going. Exactly. We know that's the most important factor. And that will be the that what that's why I'm saying Middle yeah. East is not going to be the factor when you have inflation. I get it, but it just it, it's just a, it, it's a these trips and it could be anywhere. These trips are such an amazing way to distract people from what's happening at home or to excuse the president for not concentrating on what's happening at home. And you could I mean you know you see everybody sees how people are uh, uh, up in arms about what's happening here economically and with other issues as well crime border etc etc uh but this i don't know this takes uh, some of the attention away and also it, i don't remember i don't remember his visit to israel's vice president i'm assuming he did go when he was vice president right i have to assume so but, yeah, he but, went, uh, but as a representative of that administration he could not have done what he did this time right i mean no and it didn't have the significance when you're the vice president right. not making policy oh, president obama visited twice Israel and sometimes made some pretty tough comments if right. you remember yeah, and, of course. and and didn't make it a priority and then when he went to the Middle East he went to Egypt first he right went to other places here the president made a point of visiting Israel first before going to Saudi Arabia and the other countries by the way, I got to meet the person who came up with this I2U2. What an amazing uh, acronym. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tried to search where I, it came from. I agree. Like everyone's talking about what it means. I get what it means, but I want to know who created it and how, like how they thought of it. Right. And, this, and it's too long to say it. <laughs> right. The United States, Israel, and so I2U2 is very clever. I and uh, it, sometimes it's hard for us to understand that the Ukrainian-Russia thing, uh, conflict, war, you know, shed some light on this, that you could be a trading partner and you could be a, a customer of another country and still be at war with them or support their enemy, right? We've seen that with the way European countries have supported the Ukraine, and, and some of them are, are, are serious trade partners or, or customers of Russia. So when you say that India is a partner of Iran, yet enters into this negotiation or these discussions with the U.S. and Israel in this type of forum. First of all, how does that play in Iran, and does it affect the economic relationship between those two countries? It absolutely affects every aspect of their relationship. Uh, as I told you, Putin going Russia training, the, the reports that Iran was selling a 1,000 drones, which they backed off of and still said that they don't support the war per se. They don't criticize the war. But they're doing a tremendous amount of trade with, uh, and Russia is using them, as I said, to bypass uh, uh, the sanctions. And the the and the what really set them off was the reports of the of the integrated air defense system, which we hope we'll hear much more about after today's meetings. But that would incorporate Israel, but most of the countries in West Asia, the the Gulf countries, and India's inclusion now bridges the um, it, it beyond just the Gulf. So you're talking about uh, as something we have worked on for a long time and trying to, to achieve is, is, and this establishment of the defense system against Iran and the Persian Gulf is uh, uh, really remarkable. And they're, they're, the Iranians attack it as, as expanding NATO in the Middle East, meaning to pick up on the Russia's uh, opposition to NATO. Uh, but the, the picking up on what King Abdullah said when he made the reference, and then he retracted it. But the fact is the record was there, and that the Iranians really fear this. And this is a, a, a unifying of the forces. You know, they reached out to Saudi Arabia. They reached out to the UAE. They boasted of their regional diplomacy. And here you see all of that reversed. And the, air the joint air defense coming on the joint naval defense system, in which Israel participated, and the constant a a expansion of the number of countries that are uh, 
uh, are joining. I mean, they talk about an Arab NATO and uh, you know, other uh, references uh, and and the, nat- and the natural way in which Israel is part of it. There was even talk of Israel um, getting uh, coming to the meeting. I didn't think that that was, uh, was likely. I think some of the countries are not ready for it. The fact that Iraq is there uh, is a little disturbing because Iraq passed a law that you know, imposes a death penalty on those who uh, who do business with the or have any contact with uh, with Israel. And I hope the president and we've tried to encourage that the president will raise this with him and tell him it's unacceptable. Um, but you know, all, all these little and and sometimes bigger gestures that we take as symbolism. Symbolism in the Middle East is really vital. And, and people make policy based on it, based on perception. Perception there is even more important than here. Here, too, perception creates the reality on which people respond. In the Middle East, it takes on even greater significance. Speaking of which, um, when the Abraham Accords uh, were, in, was it, were in its infancy, um, de- especially Democrats, but, but other pundits as well, um, uh, we're saying that uh, one must make or Israel must make peace with the Palestinians before there's any possibility of um, uh, of, of making peace agreements, treaties, or, um, financial arrangements, etc., with countries you know with neighboring countries in the Middle East. And obviously, now we see that was not the case because the Abraham Accords exist and the UAE is uh, is, is uh, a, a real partner uh, with Israel at this point. Um, with with that in mind. The 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 fact that the two of them brought up this two state solution uh, yet again during this visit um, is this also not a throwback? Is this also not a failed strategy or a failed necessity that world leaders, including the U.S. and Israeli leaders, are reluctant to recognize? We're past this point. We're past the point that you know the key to the future of the Middle East is is Israeli-Palestinian peace. We see that from the Abraham Accords and now everything else that's going on. I two, you two, and everything else. Is it is is it is it, is it time for them to just give up? On this dream that this you that the Israeli-Palestinian peace is so vital to the future of the Middle East, I didn't hear the last word. That it's so vital to the future of the Middle East is it time for them to just so, give up so on this? The first thing is that you are right. Everybody said that peace with Palestinians has to precede anything else. You saw peace with Egypt and Jordan, and each time everybody would condition and you know always build in the the. the the, the verbal uh, references. The fact is that the Arab countries, and I've heard this from the Arab leaders myself in the Gulf and elsewhere, they're sick and tired of the, of the kleptocracy. They're sick and tired of pouring billions of dollars. They're sick and tired of their future being held hostage. The Palestinians who are not willing to move forward. And look at the look at the stats in the, in the uh, in the Palestinian Authority itself. The Palestinians are sick and tired of the of the government who's in the eighth year or four year term. That they that the economic conditions are disastrous because not because they don't get more aid than any other people per capita in the world, um, but because it's all wasted, and you see no virtually no economic development, no real change, water policy, et cetera. So these grants, by the way, and the money that is going is going for specific projects, not to the PA, which is a way of of covering, uh, I think, what they think will be the criticism of, uh, right. of, of the violation of, of it. But 
but don't dismiss it. It's still a big factor in in the Arabs world in the in the countries that um, uh, they want this issue resolved. That's what Arab leaders. They, it's like an obstacle. It's a stumbling block, and that until this is out of the way, they can't do all the things they want to do. But the fact that the Saudis now will break uh, open the skies and do other things, uh, and that they're gradually increasing the number of visitors and all the things that that we've done uh, uh, that have been done, um, and the and the military cooperation, intelligence cooperation. I mean, many of them remember that the Palestinians were on the wrong side of of the conflicts in Yemen and elsewhere. So it's you can't dismiss the issue. You can't say it's not relevant and that it. And that we have to, uh, I, I think the Israeli approach was to say, let's do economic development, let's help the hospitals and medical infrastructure will do the things and meet the needs of the people. But you can't do that as long as the system, you know, when, when you have, an, uh, first of all, two, two Palestinian entities in Gaza and and uh, in the West Bank, and they're fighting each other constantly. And now an election would probably elect Hamas leaders in the West Bank because they're sick and tired of of this uh, government and young people are alienated and leaving. So the, y- y- you can't just say it's no longer relevant. The problem is that we become a mantra of just saying two states, which nobody defines. It can't, you know, they're too, it's too easy to dismiss and this is too complicated and too sensitive to engage in, in verbiage that's not carefully thought through. Yeah, I get that. Do you think that this encounter in Saudi Arabia is going to be as awkward as uh, all the journalists are saying it will be? So you know, it's sort of like like uh, reading Gemara Abdul that the you know about why he didn't shake hands with all the people in Israel because he didn't want to have to shake hands when he got to Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I I don't think it doesn't make sense to me, but I mean everything's possible. And the, the uh, yeah, go ahead, yeah, sir. But, yeah, but I think I think that uh, how he finesses this after his earlier comments and is is continuing. The comments about the Kajoji affair and human rights, etc. Um, I'm sure it'll open them up again to criticism within the extremist party elements of the Democratic Party. But Saudi Arabia is still vital, and and when we have an energy crisis, we have other things. And whether he asks for the oil, or doesn't ask for the oil, obviously increased production by Saudi Arabia is very vital. I saw that the Iranians, by the way, are increasing by 21,000 barrels a day their production of oil, and which means that the IRGC and the Supreme Leader and the, those who benefit by the income, not the people, uh, will have that much more money coming in. Who does that and get sold to? Mostly China. Wow. Yeah, we haven't Three mentioned quarters Ch- to China. We haven't mentioned China in this whole conversation yet. Well, uh, I did mention China before, but <laughs> you weren't listening. <laughs> that, that was the one word I missed. <laughs> <laughs> but China, you know what? It's really an important point how. Little China was publicly acknowledged, but I'm um, in the discussions. As you know, the Haifa port was sold. It was originally the Chinese wanted to do it, and right. it's uh, and the fear of China and China's expansive role with this Belt and uh, Road uh, Initiative, which is really a way of expanding their influence, their their role in in uh, Iran and uh, the economic relationships. And as you know, they buy energy anywhere and everywhere, including having relations with the Saudis and all. But if you look in South America now, we see the expanding role there as we lose that whole continent. And I'll repeat it every week until people really take it seriously. Every week we have more deterioration of, of the situation there. With and, and this week there's going to be a meeting between Putin, 
Erdogan and Raisi in Tehran. Uh, so they're trying to co-opt it, uh, Turkey, which plays all sides right now because their economic conditions are terrible, the political situation is, is weak, and they are ex- expanding that cooperation as well. There are so many moving parts right now. It's, it's impossible really to cover it, not in an hour, not in two hours, mm-hmm. to get people just to see the different elements and the interrelationship. So now you see how South Asia relates to the Gulf, relates to the to the Mediterranean initiative, and and become more and more interdependent. And you see the what's happening in South America relates to Russia, to to Turkey, to Iran, and a direct threat to the United States. Anybody who thought that this uh, visit by President uh, Biden would not help the current prime minister of Israel, even if he is an interim or caretaker uh, prime minister, uh, was wrong, in my opinion. If, I agree. It, if anything, this uh, certainly helped his political profile. Uh, I think it gave people an opportunity to hear him. We, you know, the international community really hasn't heard much of him um, at any point. And his stand on Iran was good. Right. I mean, obviously he has other positions, but I thought that, that Biden's warm embrace of Netanyahu was also significant so that the people can't say that if uh, Netanyahu comes back, he won't have a good access to, to, to President Biden. And that the fact they had the private meeting at the president's house uh, I think it really also promoted President Herzog, who put himself right. front and center in everything and everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think it's an exaggerated, I mean, a, a larger than previous president's roles. And, and he's, you know, very uh, uh, reaching out and very uh, active uh, presidency and creates good presence. Um, but I thought that the Netanyahu-Biden meeting and the Biden's comments and saying, I love you, you know, despite everything when he met and the only one he shook hands with right. actually at the, uh, yeah. at the, he's, the, he's, at the he's, he's forgetful. He, for, he forgot the procedure that he wasn't supposed to shake hands. Well, with he anybody. didn't trip. He didn't fall. He didn't do it. All the things people were, were looking for. Yeah. Thank, um, God, for that. Yeah, thank God. And, and, and again, I think people should look at where he wrote, what he wrote when he, you know, when he, um, when he was Visited on his own. Sure. Right. And and especially well, Yad Vashem had the welcome book, but right. you know he, when he had Yad Vashem, he said he said it's great to be back to my emotional home, right. and uh, talked about never forgetting and what he teaches his children, grandchildren about it, uh, which is something he told me years ago about remembering and what he talks to his kids about now. Yeah. He took them to a concentration camp to visit, I think, to Dachau when he was on a tour with them. People again, are very going to face the reality. Yeah. I was just going to say it comes back to normal. Right. People are very it. good at focusing on the past. And, and no, but also we're going to, you know, this is very good. And, and again, symbolically significant, maybe substantively significant in what comes out of the meeting, the change with Saudi Arabia, the breakthroughs it's, as you know, I've said all along, it should be step by step with them. And all of these things, Will, will lead eventually to uh, diplomatic relations. I don't think when this king, while well, this king is alive, but I think this happening under the king's watch that they have the overflight rights and they didn't do it specifically for Israel. They said for any country that meets their requirements. Right. But, uh, you know, cutting three hours, four hours off the trip means that Israel becomes more competitive. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos and we'll speak again next week. You too. Be well. Good to everyone. Malcolm is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here 
at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting in New York, 8.05. A big, big, um, how do I put this without sounding too... Uh, <laughs> Without, without sounding too happy, because I don't want I don't I don't want the other half of the camp uh, not to be happy with me. A uh, big Mazel Tov wish going out to the boys' campus up at Camp Masora, who are the winners of the annual Zimriya competition. And believe it or not, our correspondent up in Guilford, New York, for the uh, Zimriya competition was the one and only Yadidja Mayor. Yadidja Mayor is uh, in the uh, New York area and actually attended the Zimriya, uh, the great uh, radio announcer and journalist. And um, and I want to thank him for the updates that he was sending us from up there in camp. And again, congratulations to the head counselor and the entire boys' campus, and of course to the girls' campus as well for their... Uh, for their... Um, for their... Uh, for their uh, great competition. And to Ari Katz and Dina Katz, everybody up at Camp Missouri, I'm sure it was an amazing night. Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, this time each every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good to have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Balak. Parshas Balak, one of the most challenging parshios in the Torah. Number one, what's it doing here? There are no mitzvos of the 613 found in Parshas Balak. However, it does contain very many lessons for the Jewish people and indeed, mankind. Let me start with a beautiful tongue-in-cheek, Machshava, which really is outstanding for Parshas Bolok, namely, the Aptarav, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, who wrote the Sefer, Ohev Yisrael, and had nothing but great love for each and every Jew. And he told his Hasidim that Avas Yisrael could be found in each and every parsha of the Torah. So it happened to have been that week, Pasha's Bullock. So they said to him, Rebbe, where do you find Avas Yisrael in Pasha's Bullock? And he answered, Oh my goodness, it's so simple. Bullock, Bez Lamid Kif. The Bez is Viahafta. The Lamid, Lireacha. And the Kif, Kamocha. There it is. So they said to him, Oh, Rebbe, you don't spell V'yohavta with a vase, you spell it with a vav. And you don't spell Kamocha with a kif, you spell it with a chaf. And what did he answer? Listen to this, everybody. This is wow. He said, if you're going to be so nitpicking and you're going to be so exact, you'll never have Avas Yisrael. Okay, I begin, and probably should even end with that. Can I top that? The answer is no, but I'd like to share with you something very interesting, which emerges from the Parsha. Please note, everybody, in which Parsha in the Torah are the Ten Commandments found? 
And the answer is in Parshas Yisro. So you're going to say to me, come on, the Ten Commandments have to be in some Parsha. What's the difference in which Parsha? Okay, if that's the way you feel about it, fine. But I'd like to suggest, as I d- believe the Rav Sechron Levracha suggested, that Yisro, who represents the non-Jew, who ultimately converts, represents the universal aspect of Torah. For the Ten Commandments is not only for the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments are for all of mankind. And I'd like to suggest that similarly, one of the most significant takeaways from Parshas Balak is the concept of a Moshiach. The Rambam, in his last two chapters of his monumental work, the Yad HaZaka, there are 14 books in the Mishnah Torah. The last book is called Sefer Melachim, the book regarding kings, and the last two chapters of Sefer Melachim, chapter 11 and 12, speak about HaMelech HaMoshiach. The Rambam in his first chapter, excuse me, in chapter 11, the first of the two chapters that deal with Moshiach, writes the following, that in the future, Osid La'amod, Melech HaMoshiach, the Messianic king will arise. And what is he going to do? The Rambam immediately tells us, Lachzir Malchus David Liyoshna, he's going to renew and restore the Davidic dynasty. The next time you sing David, Melech Yisrael, it's not simply talking about the past, but this is reaffirming that twelfth of the thirteen principles of our faith. Anima mim be'muna shlema, I believe with complete and perfect faith. Beviyas HaMoshiach, in the coming of Mashiach. Ve'yafal pisha yismameya. And even though he may tarry, and come on, where are you? And we can't wait anymore, which is what we're supposed to be feeling and pining for. I wait for him each and every day that he comes. What's he going to do? He's going to renew the Davidic dynasty. He's going to restore it to its initial sovereignty. He will... Build the temple, Boneh Mikdash. There will be a third base on Mikdash, and he's going to be overseeing the building thereof. Umekabetz Nitchei Yisrael, and he's going to gather the dispersed in Israel. And continues the Rambam. Then in his days, the observance of all the statutes, the chukim, and the mitzvos will return to their previous state. All six thirteen, we will offer korbanos. We will observe the Shemitah on a Torah level and the Yovel. And listen to this, writes the Rambam. Anyone who does not believe in him or does not await his coming, such a person denies not only the statements of the many other prophets who speak about his coming, but he denies those of the Torah the prophecy of the Torah and Moshe, our teacher. Now, 
should you ask? Okay, where do you find this in the Torah? So the Rambam, in, once again, chapter 11 of Hilchos Malachim, brings no less than three different biblical support for Moshiach. One is coming from Pashas Nitzavim, chapter 30, verses 3 and 5, where the Torah promises God will bring you back from your captivity, have mercy upon you. He will again gather you from among the nations. Even if your diaspora is at the ends of the heaven, Hashem will gather you up from there and bring you to the Lamb. Okay, now watch. The Rambam told us already that this is part of his job. So he is the one that is going to implement that which is contained in the very beginning of Perak Yud Aleph. He's going to restore kingship and he's going to build the Mikdash and gather in the people. And if you want to see this further, the Rambam in Hilchos Molochim, Perak Dalid Halacha Yud writes that in all his matters, his deeds, the Mashiach, the King of Israel, shall be for the sake of heaven. His purpose and intent shall be to elevate the true faith and fill the world with justice, destroying the power of the wicked and waging the wars of Hashem. For the entire purpose of appointing a king, writes the Rambam, is to execute justice and wage wars, as we find in the Haftorah that we read recently from Shmuel, our king shall judge us, go out before us, and wage our wars. Now, I'd like to remind everybody that in our Shmona Esrei, each and every day, we pray right after the Yerushalayim Ircha, bring us back to your city of Jerusalem. We have the bracha of Esemach David Avducha, namely the shoot, the little seed, which is coming from King David. Please, Hashem, Meheira Satsmiach, may you speedily cause the outgrowth of David, your servant, to sprout forth. This bracha, and if you want, henceforward, whenever you say this bracha, pause for a moment and let those words of that beautiful song, we want Moshiach, we want Moshiach now. But it shouldn't be just a song. Think about what it means. It means that at the time of Moshiach, as we'll see in a moment, there's going to be greater spirituality in the world, that is the way we have to prepare ourselves for the coming of Mashiach, by making ourselves more worthy, by making ourselves more conditioned, please God, for a spiritual environment. Now, the Ram, in that bracha, we say every day, Vikarno Torum Bishua Secha. What does that mean? His keren, his horn, shall be raised through your salvation. Rav Schwab, Zechrona Levracha, in his Sefer on prayer, and I quote from page 494, writes as follows, that the Karen refers to two 
different aspects of the Mashiach. One, the word horn is a metaphor for power because an animal expresses its power by goring and his enemies showing his power. But in addition to the physical aspect of karno torum secha, elevate the horn so that he can fight the wars of God, the word kerem also has the meaning of a ray, R-A-Y, as in the end of Shmos, the end of Kisisa, Koran or Pnei Moshe. The skin of the face of Moshe radiated light. In other words, the people could perceive the spiritual rays of light that emanated from the face of Moshe. And similarly, the Mashiach, as did Moshe Rabbeinu, will have a dual role. First, he will bring law and order into the world. And the other function of Mashiach will be his spiritual influence on the Jewish people. He will purify us. And like Moshe Rabbeinu, he will radiate spiritual light to his people. He'll bring us back to Eretz Yisrael, cause a mass movement of tshuva in our nation to elevate Bnei Yisrael to the level of, please God, the Amech Kula Tzadikim. As the Navi Yeshaya in chapter 60, Pesach 21 says, and your people will all be righteous. Now, I really believe, and all of us, listen carefully, People might say to themselves, yeah, yeah, come on. You really believe in Moshiach? I think we have been privileged. What does that mean? Look at what Corona did to the entire world. Corona literally shut down the entire world within one week. Everybody's former routine was challenged in so many ways. And we know that there are still some people that Babunoseinu Arabim are still not coming back to Shul. They're still, unfortunately, affected by the consequences of Corona. Now, just think for a moment, everybody. The same way that nobody could have anticipated this kind of complete transformation of the world so too I am telling everybody. But it's not me. It's not Yudin that's saying this. It's the Rambam who's writing it so clearly in chapter 11 and in chapter 12. And this very simply is telling us and giving us that additional anticipation that as the world was shut down and completely affected by corona, so too, Emir Hashem, the entire world. And in this week's parsha, the Rambam cites the verse, Dorach Kuchov Miyakov, namely that a flashing, a shooting star will emerge from Yaakov, which Rashi and the commentaries tell us that it refers to the coming of Moshiach, and Moshiach is compared to that uh, 
star. Why? Because as a shooting star goes from one end of the world to the other, but the entire world sees it, so too, that is the way Moshiach is going to be seen, understood by the entire world. I mentioned it before. I believe that might be a reason why this biblical reference is found in Parshas Balak, who is, after all, Bilam, the Navi of the non-Jew, because this is not only for the Jew, in Hashem, this is for the entire world. Please, God, we should all be zochem to pine for and Amir Hashem speedily in our days witness the coming of Melech HaMoshiach. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki, Bosch Shabbos is the name of that one. Here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. And just checking... Just checking. There we go. I think we're all right. Um. Anyway, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Balak outside of Israel. It's Parshas Balak, candle lighting time at 8.05 in New York. 8.05, make sure you know when things start where you are. Shabbos Batamos is being observed on Sunday as a fast day. That will start a three-weeks format here at... Uh, JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. I want to thank uh, I want to thank Mayor Fertig who's who just alerted me that there was a problem with the NSN app. I'm just checking to make sure we're okay and I think we are. Okay, I think we're okay. Let's hope. <laughs> anyway, Friday morning era of Shabbos, a brand new show coming up with Naomi Nachman, Table for Two. That is happening today between 9 and 10 o'clock right after JM and the AM, including, included in her guests uh, will be um, Chef Eitan Bernath and cookbook author Eitan Bernath, Devorah Adler from Chesed 24-7, and Matthew Chan, co-owner and manager at Chop Chop Kosher Restaurant. That's happening on Table for Two at 9 o'clock. Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zomik, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Tomorrow night at Saturday Night Siegel with uh, Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Saw Rabbi Zwickler last night at the Rosazado Weiss uh, Lachaim <coughs> Mazal Tov, or Vart, I should say. Mazal Tov and Mabruk. And uh, Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday in the beginning of our three weeks format. I want to thank Matis for presenting that show live every single Sunday. Sunday is a fast day, I remind you. Mazal Tov, congratulations to uh, Boys Campus up at Camp Missoura. That's right. Uh, Zimriya is, uh, is, a, um, is always a big night, to say the least. There's nothing like a good old Zimria boys campus versus girls campus competition. And last night, the boys took the victory. And we wish Mazal Tov to the boys head counselor and the entire staff and all the wonderful campers on boys campus. And, of course, to the girls as well for a great competition. With best regards to Ari and Dina Katz and everybody up at Camp Missora. Uh, it is, uh, I don't want to say a rarity because I, I, I don't have the statistics in front of me. But it's, uh, it's somewhat of an, of an, of an, an anomaly. There we go. <laughs> when boys campus takes the victory. At least that's what I think. i got to check the past statistics, as I said. Uh, so we say Mazal Tov uh, to Boys Campus up at Camp Missoura in Guilford, New York, from all of us here at JM and the AM. All right. <laughs> yeah, they got that Zimriya in before Shavasar Batamus. Kalakavod. Uh, and thanks to everybody who sent us photos and pictures. And, of course, now on Instagram and other social media sites, you can actually see photos 
see those pictures of uh, of the Zimmer Yacht competition. Very fun night up there in Missouri. I, I sort of regret not having gone up now <laughs> to uh, witness and uh, and um, experience the Boys Campus victory live and in person. Uh, first Boys Campus victory, by the way, in Campus Missouri history was 1992, for those of you who are wondering. JM in the AM, Yehuda Glantz is next on a Friday. <laughs>
with Regesh. Ms. Morishir. Yehuda Glantz before that. JM and the M, good morning. Friday morning, Arab Shabbos. The uh, candle lighting is at 8.05 here in New York. 8.05 on Arab Shabbos Parshas Bullock. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Earlier, I mentioned that there is a friend of ours who is in need of a kidney. And uh, anybody out there who has ever, ever, ever thought about kidney donation, please, please think about it even more seriously now. Um, We have a specific identity. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, A specific code, a specific email address, registered number uh, for this uh, person. The the poster says, help save a life. Our grandfather slash father is in dire need of a kidney donor. To save one's life is to save the world. And um, this is a good friend of ours for many, many years. And anybody out there that has ever considered kidney donation, remember, it's done laparoscopically. It's usually uh, within two weeks you're back at work. There is no long-term medication or anything like that you have to take while you're recovering from the donation. Here it is. To learn more about kidney donation or to see if you're a match, take down this specific email address for this specific case. And a big yeshikach to our friends at Renewal. The uh, email is r, that's letter r, 25555 at renewal.org. Again, that's r25555 at renewal.org. r25555 at renewal.org. And your help with this, of course, is even more than greatly appreciated, as you can imagine. Thank you very, very much. And now it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the Special blessing on 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, web at AlchemSingle.com and the Single Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. I want to thank uh, listener Mensch. What a beautiful comment on the app. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Um, and Yudi, thank you from Cleveland. Wishing you a wonderful Shabbos as well. Plenty coming up. Brand new uh, Naomi uh, Nachman table for two is next. Um, Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Have an easy fast, everybody, on Sunday. And, of course, a wonderful Shabbos and a great weekend. Until Monday, it's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.